Um, I feel a little bit all over the place this morning because um, as worship was going well, uh, Jerry and the crew had to sing that song that absolutely just destroys me. All hail King Jesus. I struggle with that song because a friend of mine, and I've told this story before, we met at the university. You know, when you're packing out your room, if you've heard it before, I apologize. Heard the story before. We're packing out our rooms and you're settling in and all of that and it's like corridors are open. It's like, hey, how's it? My name's Mpele. Hey, I'm over. Hey, I'm Jack. Yeah. And then he just happens to see my Bible, which was laying there. And he says, what are you doing with that? And I thought to myself, oh, here we go. First day of varsity, oh, it's going to be one of those guys. They're like deep, like evolutionary. Oh. So I sort of like meekly said, eh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and he just exploded and said, me too. And we've been friends ever since. And the reason that this song just throws me out of my script is because he then proceeded to tell me that he comes from a family where all the men, as far back as he can recall, his great-great-grandfather were alcoholics. Lives destroyed, taken, just destroyed. And that his grandmother would drag him to church every Sunday because his dad was also going down that, that line, that path. And he says that he re remembers his grandmother praying, Jesus, you are king. All hail King Jesus over him. And he says to me, he knows that that was his, that was his ticket. As much as I know, as much as I hope you know, that death and destruction was your ticket. That all of us had a bill to pay due by you. You know that little blue slip you get from SARS at the end of the year? Hopefully it says due to you. That's the nice one. And they say, we've assessed your tax and we think the tax man owes you something. That's a nice one. Due by you was for all of us. And he says that he knows that he did not been for King Jesus. He would not be where he is today. So a good friend of mine, he's, he's a man of God. He's a medical officer by pro profession. I think he's called to be a pastor. He's in denial. Yeah, he's, he's in denial. He's a pastor in waiting. He's married. He's got children. He's absolutely on fire for God. And every time that song is sung, All hail King Jesus. All hail the Lord of heaven and earth. All hail King Jesus. Jesus, all hail, Savior of the world. 
I know that it is through Jesus that I am made right with God, that human beings are made right with God. It is through Jesus that the debt that I owed has been fully paid. It's been satisfied. Where perhaps the rituals of the past were every however many times they had to do, it was just a little drop to just try and peace and cover over, but what Jesus has done completely satisfies. I know that through Jesus, the wrath of God has been satisfied. I know that through Jesus, I have new life. That you have new life. Not just spiritually, but also in the physical. And we've just come out of a, a, a series, Good News for the Weary Soul. And there's been big words thrown about, you know, justification, redemption, propitiation, regeneration, multiplication. No, there wasn't multiple. <laughs> Some big words. But essentially, that's, that's what it's about. I said to, to Mark, I said to VP, I said, Chuck, this is so good. It feels like we've been looking under the hood, you know, when you... For those that are car people, they sometimes they pop the hood. Let me see. Let me see what's going on in there. It's a V8, V6, straight line, M whatnot, and triple injectors and turbochargers. And... But not these days. These days you can't see anything. You open it and there's a cover. And it's like, oh, okay. What's... No, it says on the manual. It's a V6. Okay, just take the manufacturer's word for it. And I feel like this, this series that we've just been through, and I hope... The, the, the word this morning is going to help you and help my heart to open the cover and look under the hood so I can see what is really sustaining me on planet earth what's really holding me because a lot of people do Christianity or do life with engines and, and, and is it cylinder blocks yeah those things but there's a cover so you can't really see and then potholes and speed bumps and uphills come. And the car is not able to make it through. I hope you follow the analogy. I think it's important that we pop the hood and see what am I working with. Show me what you got. One of my favorite bassists. He says that when he plays, I, I digress now. When he plays with the drummer, he'll shout at him and say, show me what you got. Show me what you got. And if I don't understand, if under my hood is not an understanding, a deep conviction that it is in Jesus that my debt is fully paid, it is in Jesus that I have new life, it is in Jesus that the wrath of God has been satisfied, it is in Jesus that I find my way to the Father. If that's not under my hood, then I'm going to have problems to speak like a politician. So we are having some problems in the implementation of, I'm going to have problems. And those problems are not necessarily oh, uphill pressure, sometimes even plenty and access. I've seen plenty and access divert and discourage some stories. I've seen some journeys start out on fire and slow down and dwindle out. Is that a word, Michael? Because there's been access and privilege and there's been open spaces. 
If I don't have that deep conviction, if under my hood is not an understanding that it is in Jesus that all things hold together, I'm going to have problems. This morning, if you're joining us online or you are visiting us for the first time, my name is Mpele. I'm one of the elders at the church. I'm not a pastor. I'm married to one wife, Monica. <laughs> we have two beautiful girls, Nyakalo and Naki, who are just a blessing to our heart most of the time, <laughs> except for half past seven to eight o'clock, just that, that 30 minute slot. As <laughs> I go to bed now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We exalt you this morning. King Jesus, Siti Bayet and we give you all the highest praise. Yes, You are holy, Father. Spirit of the Most High, we thank you that you honor us with your presence in this place. And that from the first greeting in the parking lot, right up until the last goodbye in this service, in this place, you are going to work on hearts. I pray, God, that as we pop the hood, as we look and see what we're working with, that we will find that it is Jesus. That you will remind our hearts this morning that you are the risen Messiah, Lord Jesus. That we hail you, that you are king. That those things that would want to set themselves up in defiance against your name will be brought down today. Sometimes we sing and we say, I speak to the mountains as if they are outside, but sometimes the mountains are on the inside. We externalize and say, speak to the mountains, move, but sometimes the mountains are on the inside. Spirit of the Most High God, come and do your thing today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Matthew chapter 11 Verses 25 to 13 says that at the time, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This prayer or this scene plays out in a portion of scripture, Matthew chapter 11, where it starts off with John the Baptist, who was in prison at the time, sending out, uh, the Bible says, two of his disciples to Jesus to say, go ask him this, are you the Messiah or are we waiting for someone else? This comes up from the backdrop of Jesus' ministry is beginning to grow. 
His disciples are, are beginning to, to, to catch the flame, to catch the fire, to catch the rumor. And they, he, he says, he sees that he's like, they, they, they're getting somewhere, they're getting it. Let me, let me send them out. I think, and, and, and I know from uh, Jesus' perfect timing that they may, in fact, they didn't have it all together at the time, but in his perfect timing, he sends them out. Then, with all of this playing out, John is in prison and he's saying, but hang on, let's, let me find out if he's really the Messiah or waiting for someone else. And there's a lot of uh, stuff that's written about why he did that. Some scholars say he was uh, beginning to doubt. Uh, some are saying, no, he just needed encouragement. Whatever the case was, John sends out his disciples. And when you read from verse 1, Jesus says to uh, John's disciples, says, go tell him what you see. In response to that question, Jesus performs miracles. And he says, go tell John what you see. The blind that receive sight, the lame start to walk, the deaf can hear, the mute are opened. And then Jesus starts to um, almost publicly praise John, who is in prison. He says, he, he says, I tell you, of all that have come before, there is none that is greater than John. He's like, wow. But the guy, that's, it's like, there is none that's greater than John. And then he, Jesus starts to then talk. He talks about, you know, he starts condemning certain towns that have not believed, and then he gets to this portion where he speaks and then he prays. And I want to press rewind and go back to Genesis 3, the fall of man. We're not going to read it. Where when man rebelled against God, it was a spiritual statement. Where I said as mankind, as where we said, we want to define the terms of good and evil ourselves. We want to call the shots. I've got this. Place it in my hands beginning to trust in the eye and not in him and we know how the story goes if, if not I'll give you a quick rundown of the narrative of the Bible then in God's responses oh, there you have it it's up to you to make it there you go those that are familiar with your Bible you, you may recall that line when Adam and Eve are kicked out, evicted, or ushered out of the Garden of Eden after the fall of man. The Bible says the Lord went with them. It's quite confusing, eh? He went with them. It's like, but they went with them. As time proceeded, it became very clear that man ain't got this. That the separation from the intimate relationship with the Father leads to chaos and destruction. Leads to a big caveat where it appeared that sin, death, and the enemy had scored a temporary victory. Where God destroys mankind with the flood. Then thereafter he gives, continues to remind and gives the law to say, obey this. This, this, this is a, this is a, a, a picture of what you can do to find your way back to me, but still, it's still in your hands. I'm getting ahead of my notes now, but I'm gonna go there nonetheless. Someone here who still thinks it's in their hands. I'm bringing bad news this morning. That as much as it was still in your hands, in our hands to tick the boxes and 
somehow try and make it. It was impossible. Even when it was possible to tick all the boxes in terms of the law, it was not enough. Worse still, even when we tick all the right boxes and try and impose those on other people, it's not enough. What continues to surprise me in my own heart is that, and in, in my mind, is that nowhere in this timeline does mankind say, God, let's, can we get a time out? This is too much. This is impossible. The weight is too much. No way, no how does man give up and say, I can't. Man continues to attempt. We continue to try and push. Fast forward. Matthew 11. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Jesus says there is another way. He says, come to me. And when he, when he mentioned that, when he says, and I will give you rest. You know, it comes up twice in that portion. You will find rest for your souls. The audience at the time would have resonated with that line, rest for your souls. And they would have, because they would have known the Old Testament. They wouldn't call it that at the time. Like, hang on, this sounds like Jeremiah chapter 6 where the prophet is prophesying about a people who are under siege, where the city is prophesying about a city that's under siege, Jerusalem that's come under fire. And as he prophesies, he says, we are in trouble. It's panic and pandemonium. And he says, go and find the two paths. Go and you'll see two paths. Find the old path that will give you rest. It still is in your hands. Go and find the one that will save your souls. But Jesus here says, come to me. You don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to doubt anymore. You don't have to, uh, is this the right one? We will, we will see when, you know, when you're driving, you're like, is this the right turn? Uh, we, we will see when we get there. He said short left, but sometimes the Google Maps says like, the next 300 meters, and you're like, which 300 meters? It's left, and then it forks out, and then another, you're like, no longer does man have to do that. Jesus says, come to me. Because he, in terms of heaven's requirement, qualifies. He qualifies as the ultimate sacrifice. He's capable, and he loves he says, come to me. The invitation still stands today. It hasn't changed. Jesus says, come to me. Jesus is the way. It's a very simple point. Life Changes Church, whoever is watching online, Jesus is the way. He says, come to me. Let me define good and evil. Let me set the boundaries. Let me determine your identity. Let me determine your destiny. Let me define your situation. Come to me. He says, all those who are weary, 
it's like all those who are weary, who's 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 weary, who's not weary. I love I love as I, I digress one more time. I love I love the relationship that the disciples had with with Jesus. You know, sometimes they would just talk to him it's like, "Can you stop speaking in riddles?" You know that scripture where they say to him, "Why don't you speak plainly? Why don't you just speak in parables? Why kind of like all who are weary just just say it." Just say, everybody, you need me, come, let's go. They're speaking in riddles, and there was a man, and who had two sons. They urged him, they're like, Master, just speak straightforward. He's like, well, even if I speak plainly, mankind still has a default position where the default is it's in my hands. Jerry was speaking earlier when, when, when we in worship, he said, when you come to the presence of God, Sometimes there's certain things that, you know, you don't intend to, but they just, it's like it's natural. My eyes just get drawn to certain things that are not the king of kings. Jesus says, well, even if I were to speak plainly, man needs to come to an understanding that I need to lay down my heart. I need to come to a, a, a position where I say, I cannot. I am weary. It might not look that way on the outside. It might seem like it's all put together. But I'm actually in that list of those that Jesus says, you are weary. For all those whose eyes have been opened to their, been opened to their fate. There we go, the simple word. Because mankind needs to realize that on my own terms, the self-definition of whether it's success, growth, Pain, illness, health, finance, relationships. It leads to destruction. It might seem like it's temporary comfort, it's going well, but when I define it my own way, when I define my relationship with my wife on my own terms, it might look rosy and perfect on the outside. But the state of man's heart is a fallen state. As a leadership, if we, if we define Life Changes Church uh, uh, story as the parking lot is full, the chairs are full every Sunday, fantastic. That would be a too slow bar. Josh uh, said last week, Mark asked him as he was coming off stage, uh, that youth announcement. He says, Josh, how's married life? Josh is one of our youth leaders. So he says, Josh, how's married life? He says, I think it's going well. I'm an eight out of ten. I'm like, that's good. I'm a four out of ten. He's he's doing better than me. And I say that in the sense that as as a human being, in fact, I think four is is quite a high score as well. Outside of Christ, Laying down our ways and becoming aware of our fate leads to rest that he gives. And then he says, do it my way. Take my yoke. Come to me. Give up your way. And do it my way. Take my yoke. The disciples, uh, I imagine now, it's not in the Bible. 
imagine would have had that same look, you know, on their face. And he says that, come to me and I will give you rest. They're like, yeah, we're waiting. This, this movement is going, eh? It's like, take my yoke. Oh, you just talk about rest. You just said, no, I'll give you rest. Now you think about yokes. It's like, okay, Peter, you, you're, like, you're, like the, look, you're like the de facto leader. You need to speak to this guy. Say, can you just try and work on your public? Yeah, I was like, no. Take my yoke. There's, there's still a yoke to bear. And they would have understood it. They would have understood the, 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 the picture. Because at the time, there was an understanding that, you know, you had to do certain things. And there were some laws that were read into the Ten Commandments and it became, what, is it 99 or 39? That were wearing people down in terms of how you do life, in terms of how you approach God, in terms of how you relate to the government or the leaders, the authorities at the time. He says, coming to me and giving up your way doesn't mean we get to press cruise control. It means we still labor with him. But the yoke that we are now putting on is not our yoke. It's not mankind's yoke. It's his yoke. I read somewhere, I, I, I quite loved it, say, you know, when you take on his yoke, because it's on him, it's, it's a bigger yoke, and he's got broad shoulders. So I'm just coming under him. He's carrying the weight. Now I no longer do acts of kindness, of generosity, out of an understanding that that's what I need to get into. The grace, the good books. It's I do it because I, I want to. Because I know that this is, not, this, is, this is not my ticket in. But this is how I do life. Last story I'll tell is I had a conversation with a gentleman. Let's call him a gentleman. He says to me, you're a pastor. I said, no. And I need to address that point. I said, no. He said, he said yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, literally said that. He's like, yeah, whatever. Listen, I've been doing this thing for a long time. I know that it's not illegal. So there's no breaking of the law there. I said, okay, okay, cool, cool. He said, but it doesn't feel right. I don't think it's right. So I said, what? Is it like a moral thing? He's like, yeah, I don't think I need to step out of this. Habit. So he said, do you think, what do you say? So I said to him, well, what do you believe? He said, what do you mean, how, how do I believe? I said, what do you believe? Well, you can keep doing it or stop doing it, but what do you believe in doing or not doing it? So I don't understand. I said, okay, if you were to stop doing it, what happens to your life afterwards? He said, like, when I die? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what, you talking about that born again stuff? I said, no, I'm just asking you a question. Yeah, I'm just asking you a question. He said, also, oh, I can keep doing it. I said, well, what do you believe? And he's like, oh, so it it doesn't matter whether I'm kind or if I'm not. I said, yeah, because this is what I picked out of that conversation is 
The message of the gospel is quite straightforward, but it's confusing. It's confusing. It's like I get to receive salvation and then I get to continue in trying to do acts of kindness, but those acts count for nothing. It's like, it's like I think I left him more confused than answered. But we've been speaking. And he says, so tell me, how does that work? I said, what, the salvation stuff? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you believe in your heart that Christ is Lord, confess in the mouth, that believe that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. He said, that's it. I'm like, yeah. This conversation, after having been to a memorial service where you realize it's moments like that that get people questioning, start people questioning. Jesus says, take my yoke and you will find rest. Romans 1, 16 to 17, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The misunderstood scandalous gospel Confusing, I can imagine, to the enemy who watches on from a distance and says, but they're just as corrupt. The accuser. He says, hey, did you see what they're doing? And the power of the gospel says, yep, they're covered. To the legalists and those that are, you know, about ticking boxes. So you're saying that my works don't in eternity, if I don't have Christ, they count for naught. It's like 100%. But I've got a 100% pass mark. It's like, well, you can't. To the disciples and even to me, confusing and scary because I'm like, well, now you're sending me? Let's just pause and put ourselves in the disciples' shoes for a moment. You've just been convinced that this is the guy. This, this movement is going to thrive under this guy. He's going to champion us, up, us into the Champions League. And then he says, now you go. You're sending us? You're sending me? He says, yes. Jesus is sending out you. Sending us out because there's no movement that has ever been derailed that's, 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 that's worth the values that it, it stands for. It's ever been derailed or shut down because the loudest voices were crushed. And in Jesus, we have a, a louder voice. The Spirit of the Most High God who lives in us 
who is able to direct every step, every path, who is able to help me and help you carry that yoke, that light yoke, and know what God is saying in each and every moment. But that doesn't come unless I come to Him. So as I ask you to stand this morning, as I invite you to stand, I said to the guys, I'm going to do a, a call this morning, not just for those in the room, but for those online as well. And it's a call that doesn't call to performance, 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 but it's a call to Jesus. It's a call to say, if you know that you have not yet said, Jesus, come and have my heart. Jesus, come and be my Lord and Savior. If you've not prayed that prayer, there's a moment and opportunity for you. I invite you to respond to this call by lifting up your hand. If you're watching at home, by reaching out, even if it's just by yourself, lifting up your hand. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you this morning. There's another hand there. Jesus, we thank you that in this very precious moment, you are bringing back sons and daughters. Those who in the natural may have or may have not. Those who may have people around them and those who may not have anybody. That Jesus, as there's, there's a response to the altar call this morning, I pray that you'd be Lord and Savior. I pray that you'd invade these lives. I pray, Spirit of the Most High, that the seal of heaven will come upon them. In the name of Jesus, we trust and we know that you are able to do this work. We come to you, Jesus, for you are the way. We lay down our own ways today. And we take up your way. Help all of us in this room and watching online. To re-look at how we define our situations, present situations, and say, am I defining this in my, on my own terms or am I allowing Jesus to define it on his terms? We praise you, King Jesus. We love you. We say, come and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray.